Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Go Team Video Nights. We're recording this one at night. Uh, I think it's the first time we've done one this late, I, I think. Yeah. We've done a few early ones before. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time we've done it this close to midnight. Uh, so it's the evening hour for Go Team Video. Uh, this is episode 39, and we are discussing... Sneakers. Sneakers. 1992. Did y'all ever think that this is a movie we would be covering? No. Yeah. No? Right? I've, ne- I've never heard of it. I didn't think that <laughs> this was a movie I'd ever see, not like in, from a distance on television. But uh, <laughs> Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Like, I grew up with it. It was, uh, like, it was one of those things that always came on TBS or something. And mm. so I've seen it sort of. But yeah, yeah, not really. In parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but never, no, I never really gave it much thought. I mean, I like, I like the cast. I like uh, the premise. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why it never caught me. Like, oh, I gotta watch sneakers. Would you like to know why? Like, I even am aware of this movie. Uh, yeah. Does it have to do with Sydney Portier? No, I mean, oh. as an adult, probably that's how I would have stumbled upon it. But, um. No, the a podcast I've listened to since I was in the eighth grade has referenced this movie several times. Mm. Um, and they just talk about how Sneakers is a good movie for some reason. Like, because I guess people <laughs> don't really talk about Sneakers being a good movie. Um, and I guess I sh- should I just go right into my first impression. After yeah, that? why don't we just okay. go? Yeah, we're here. We're here. Let's do uh, it. So. I I'd never seen it, but I've heard these people talk about this movie for a large portion of my life. You know, um, yeah. Also, that crew has changed very drastically recently. If anyone's listening that also listens to the Giant Bombcast, completely different crew now. Uh, only happened within the past two months or so. It's been kind of building up to it over the past year ish, but yeah. Um, this movie is kind of. I see why it's a good movie. Like, I think that if I would have seen it and I was 15 uh, in 1992, I would have really, really liked it. There's definitely aspects of the movie that do not hold up. Um, But I think it's a really fun hacking movie, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I love 90s hacking movies. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, uh, what's that Angelina Jolie one? Hackers. It's just called Hackers. Yeah, yeah. Hackers. Um, that one's fun. Uh, the Net with Sandra Bullock is really fun. It's fun. It's it's stressful, mm-hmm. but it, I I remember having an affinity for that movie too. Yeah. What um, is the the Oceans movie? With, Oceans like, Eleven. All women. Oh, Oceans Ocean. like Ocean fourteen, nine, nine, twelve, nine. Or Oceans eight. Oceans eight or eight, nine, yeah. something like that. Yeah, Sandra Bullock and uh, Kate Blanchett. I, I haven't seen that movie, but I will say I do think I've seen it in, in my notes. I wrote down. I think sneakers is better than Ocean's Eleven. Oh, wow. So, OK, we're wow. going to have that conversation. <laughs> I, I do think sneakers is better. Uh, I don't think it sticks the landing that well, but I also don't think Ocean's Eleven st- sticks the landing that well. From what I remember, no. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Um, I, I think I'm thinking it. of. 
I don't know if we're talking about the same oceans. I think I'm talking about Oceans like twelve. It's like the newer one that with it's with it's like all women. Yeah, it's a, that That's one's Oceans eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. It's eight? like uh, it's yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like because they, uh, it's Danny Ocean's sister Sandra Bullock. So it's like kind yeah. of a sequel, prequel, side story. Yeah, and like Alicia yeah, Keys Ocean's is eight. like uh-huh. the yeah. twenty eight. Yeah, smokes like giant joints. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, Rihanna. <laughs> It's Rihanna. Oh, yeah. no, it yeah. is Rihanna. Yeah. That's fucking uh-huh. right. Uh-huh. I, I need yeah, to I've watch seen, it. I've seen this. I've ju- I just watched it like probably <laughs> four months ago. I, I see. I watch like, it everything. It yeah. Yeah. I, I need to watch it. It looks, it, the cast make, alone makes me want to watch it. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, but I mean, I, I never thought Oceans, the other Oceans movies were particularly that great. Oh, I really like them. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Steven Soderbergh movies, uh, and I thought those were particularly fun and unique. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I I saw them at the right time right. in the theater. and uh, yeah. I think Sneakers is too long. You're going to say that yeah. up front? Yeah, yeah definitely. Too yeah. long? Does not need to be this long? Uh, I think there's a really good hour 25 minute movie in this. You know what I mean? And like it goes on too long. It just it it straight up goes on too long. Uh, it's one of the biggest yeah. downfalls of the movie. Um, if we're putting aside just the dated material that's in it. Um, but yeah, uh, not as great as I wanted it to be with like the legacy that I've heard about it being a great movie, um, like a cult kind of hit, you know, but I see mm-hmm. why yeah. it is a cult hit um, at the same yeah. time. So that's my first impression. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, as I was saying, I, I'd seen bits and pieces of it throughout the years, uh, just through television. And I don't know. It always just seemed like, uh, like those kind of movies that I, I would like as a child, but not cool, not cool enough for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just never really struck me. And then watching it really for the first time, I thought it was okay. Uh, you know, I, I like the cast. I like Dan Aykroyd a lot in different things. Uh, I like Ben Kingsley. I like everybody. River Phoenix. Um, But it was sort of boring <laughs> to me. It was a little bit dull. Yeah. It was a little bit, uh, it was definitely long. Um, and I just didn't see like I was, I was hoping for more of a, um, a climactic heist, like a big heist. And yeah. the heist that they give you is just a little bit like kind of sea level mission impossible. With the, the vents yeah. and stuff. The, the, cli- just the like... climax happens like pretty early on in the movie. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. And like also the, the dude that makes the box is like, he's only in like a few scenes. That's uh, Donald Logue, by the gone. way, who uh, yeah. he was in Blade as that vampire that yep. gets his arm cut off. Yeah. yeah. There's another it's Blade. There's another callback I want to make to Blade after you're done, after we're done okay. with the first impressions. But yeah. But yeah, it was cool to see Donald Logan. I think that was his first uh, film role. Really? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't. It, you know, it just it didn't really. 
add up to more than the sum of its parts for me. Um, there were things I found charming about it, but overall, I I thought it was all right. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Abby? Um, you know, I liked it. Um, didn't like absolutely love it, but like, I, there's some reasons for that. So like, I I also agree. I think it was a little too long. Um, I think. The action scenes were underwhelming, but I liked the, like, bits of comedy thrown in. I thought, you know, there were several parts that actually were pretty funny and and quirky to me. And, like, I liked all the, like, technical stuff about it that made it, you know, kind of silly. Like, they had to turn the room to 98.6 degrees because of this, like... (laughs) thermal sensor and, and like, then they he ha- could only he had move, to move two centimeters at a time two, or whatever it's like two, two inches, inches per yeah, second yeah, and they're like second. you need to hurry up and he's like i literally can't do that that's the only thing i no. can't do like yeah no I, like abby that's a good guy point. driving or like you know yeah, it's like yeah. i don't know some of it was just like so like stupid <laughs> stupid (laughs) and like silly and just like specific and those are the parts i really loved um and another you know piece of this film i really liked was just like all the characters um like i like how different they all are i like that they all kind of have criminal or like um or criminal backgrounds or like you know, have have stumbled through something to like get on right, this team, right. and that they're kind right. of working fraudulently. And just yeah, yeah, they are. It's great. The um, setup so, is amazing. So, yeah, I love a band of misfits. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there's you know, that's not the majority of the movie though. Exactly, like the majority of the movie, I feel like is set up for that that is just like kind of slow um i don't know i i i feel like parts could have been omitted and i feel like there could have been some parts that were added like i kind of wanted to like see why this guy who created the box died or how he died yeah you know i I completely agree that would have been interesting um but uh i don't know like it's it's certainly um unique and you know in a lot of ways different from other heist or or hacker related movies i've seen but i do feel like um had i watched it when it came out maybe it would have had a different impact on me you know what i mean like cuz a lot has happened since that movie was made but also a lot happened before that movie was made too so yeah um you know i generally i feel positively about it um but you know has some has some flaws in my opinion but it it was all right yeah it it, i yeah i think we're all pretty similar on our opinions on this it's interesting to bring up ocean's 11 because it's sort of like 
I'm watching this and I'm like, this is just sleepy Ocean's Eleven. But, but the comedy, like but, the thing I didn't yeah, bring yeah, up that I Abby mean, brought up is the comedy, which is the comedy. Yeah. Exactly. But I was going to say that you wouldn't have Ocean's Eleven without this movie, obviously. Obviously. Like, yeah. yeah. The, 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 like, yeah. the types of the like cast of characters and the comedy, that's something that Ocean's definitely borrowed from it. That and it's a heist movie. I mean, it's like definitely uh, influenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, by by. Sneakers, I almost feel so. like some. I I almost feel like it has influenced some like James Bond movies as well. Like in I in see that. some of the thoughtfulness of the like heist plan and technology and things like that. Like I could yeah. see that influencing in in some way or another. Although those movies have kind of always been, you know, that way. Hmm. Um, but yeah, cool. It's uh, uh yeah, it seems like me? go ahead. No, I, I, I do want to <laughs> ask one question to y'all because, like, it seems okay. We've done a fair number of these older movies at this point, right? Right. How many times has one of these older blockbuster kind of like mainstream movies that we've gone back to, how many times does it not disappoint you? with like the way they handle just like, you know, societal topics, you know, and stuff like that. And like how they treat certain groups of people. Like it's like almost every one of these movies like fucks up in a major way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like what? Like, it, it, well, I mean, that's a reflection of society fucking up in that way at the time. Oh, for, for sure. sure. 1000%. Yeah. Um, it's more so just like mainstream much. movies at the time, just like, you could just get away with a bunch of really fucked up shit and like no one right. cared. And some films mm-hmm. do a better job of like really oh, avoiding yeah. those kinds of things, which is interesting, you know, like E.T. Yeah. Can't, can't yeah. really find too much of that sort of thing in E.T. You know, it's like a very white movie, except for like the, this weird green alien. The alien but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some movies that like, and that's a, children's movie so it's a little harder to like judge it the same way yeah but i've seen i mean i've seen children's movies that are kind of fucked up in that way too it's uh yeah yeah, it's interesting because you don't like you don't have to you don't have to do those things but some of it is trying to do this reflection of society at the time and um i don't know most of the time I can say, okay, that was made in the eighties. That was made in the nineties. So you have to take some of that with, uh, with the way that culture was then. Right. But there's yeah. some of it. You're already signing like, up to watch this movie. Like you got to understand when you're it going was back made. in time. And it's, it's what, even, what the society allowed. Yeah. Go ahead. Abby. I was going to say, even considering other types of media, such as like, stand-up comedy music you know mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. things like yeah. that even like art i feel like in all of those kinds of genres of media there we we see that as well you know what i mean we right. see right. people getting away with offensive shit because that was somehow okay or like you know um not shot down you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Or in some instances we haven't, we hadn't established a consciousness about it. Yeah. Uh, 
That's a good way to put it. But yeah, I mean, it's or kind of it, like when it started. It, I, I, you could also look at it as like it didn't start affecting the bottom line of like how things sell until more recently. That's also true because yeah. like mm-hmm. money is what drives everything. You know, especially right. here in America, yeah. and like you know back then if you made these kind of you know if you had some jokes or whatever that are not you know acceptable right now um you you know the movie would you know get criticized in a completely different way um i think just the the further we move forward there will always be the past that's even right behind us where we can find those things. Not to say that like, yeah. obviously if you dig into the 1980s, it's entirely more egregious. Oh, but it's just sure. it, like, it's interesting to see like uh, the social construct change around that all the time. Yeah. So I mean, you can look, like, you can look back to something in 2010 and say, wow, that's wild that that was okay. Then, you know, uh, early on the is river Phoenix, the young guy in the group. Uh huh. Yeah. So early on, River Phoenix or someone puts on like blackface paint when they go inside, and like Sidney Poitier, like they have a moment where they like look at he, like he gives him a look like, you know, like he's putting on blackface. You know what I mean? Like, and he gives him a look, but even though it's not blackface, he's putting on the face paint to disguise himself and make him more. It's for like, stealth. For stealth or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. But like Sidney Poitier gives him this look, like you know, like. And it's like a nod. I feel like it's almost like a nod to that. Mm -hmm. And there's another moment way later in the movie where someone says a racist comment to Sidney Poitier. And and, uh, he gives him kind of the same look. And I I don't know. It's like the movie kind of acknowledging it a little bit. But um, right. I mean, is this is this uh, within the context of the movie commenting on. you know, addressing those things that are commonplace in other movies. Yeah. And like, I kind of think it is and it isn't. It's also just being goofy at the same time, like with like the final scene where they're all asking for what they want and stuff like that. Like, it's like, wow, this is like really goofy, like a really goofy way to end the movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up because we've covered quite a bit of these older movies at this point. I I could see that like kind of acknowledging like the flaw in, you know, these types of representations of um you know, people of color in movies, but I I also feel like people especially like in comedy movies or action movies, like, you know, filmmakers uh attempt to make things kind of quotable. And I, I don't like love that, you know, they, they made a strong point. Like whenever um, it was like it towards the end of the movie, when they were in the van and there was like the mm. racial slur yeah. you know, aimed at Sydney. And uh, so I, I just almost feel like putting it in a movie where there's comedy and it's like really entertaining and stuff. It almost kind of like it lessens it suggests. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It lessens it and yeah. almost suggests that like someone could like 
pull that quote and like use it in real life because yeah. people do that a lot. That's you extremely, know? I don't mm-hmm. know. yeah, that's very that's valid. Something to think yeah. about. One thousand percent. All right, let's uh, get into the the numbers. If you're ready yeah, for that, no, I'm ready for the numbers. Um, so, sneakers, 1992. We talked about that. Uh, September 11th, 1992. You know, so oh, the anniversary wow. of this movie is kind of uh, you know, that. interesting. <laughs> uh, directed by Phil Alden Robinson. It stars uh, Robert Redford. Honestly, a little too much Robert Redford. You know what I mean? It's a lot yeah. of Robert Redford in this movie. Isn't it yeah. weird to think that 1992 was 30 years ago? Like, doesn't that yeah. still um, kind of feel weird? It's, it's kind of <laughs> not that weird, because it's almost exactly my age. Like, I'm yeah. turning 29, like, in, like, less than, in, like, a month-ish. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm just thinking, like, even though we're this far into the 2000s, like, it just almost feels like... Like the '90s wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it's, right. it's it's really wild. It it really yeah. is. It's uh just the, and like that's kind of why I like this movie is just the nostalgia of it. Like you really feel mm-hmm. like you're in the '90s when you're when, you, when you're in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of the movie's appeal. To be completely honest. Um. So uh, this movie, uh, not only with Robert Redford, it's you got Dan Aykroyd in there, kind of being like a stoner layabout kind of well, they call him mother mother yeah <laughs> yeah there's whistler and so whistler oh that's okay i was gonna bring yeah, up whistler gonna, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh blade what was the so what was the dude's name in blade that i it always whistler. Said, it was whistler you were you were calling uh <laughs> Whisker. whiskers yeah <laughs> In this right. movie, when they said Whistler, I was like, oh, my God. Like, uh-oh, we're going to have some trouble on the podcast. <laughs> we're going to talk about no, this uh, on the podcast. So, I don't know if you remember the painting, Whistler's Mother. You ever no. see that painting? No. Uh, I'll see if I can't Is that what the, the name's based on? I think it's a reference to that, yeah. Okay. Uh, but Dan Aykroyd's character is a little bit more playing to uh, Dan Aykroyd's uh personality in real life he's very conspiratorially minded Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think that's a little bit more like dan Aykroyd being himself in the film right right right. (laughs) i guess it's just like the necklace and like the tie-dye shirts that like gave me the stoner vibe but yeah yeah um so whistler's mother i don't know if you can see this but it's the uh, hold it up there a little bit longer a little bit higher yep oh yeah no that that painting's an animal crossing too oh okay (laughs) Yeah. Um uh, yeah, no, uh and also Ben Kingsley, I did not realize it until we were starting this recording that that's who um the his Robert Redford's friend is a is a is an adolescent is. Yeah, yeah. Um and then we got uh Mary McDonald, uh River Phoenix, Sydney Poitier, uh and David Strathern. Strathern? Strathern. Strathairn? David Strathairn. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Strathairn? Strathairn? Yeah, all that. I'm, those... not, I'm not hearing anything. <laughs> Honestly, the way y'all are saying. David Strathairn. Strathairn. Uh, that, that cast is all uh, comprised of all people who have either won or got nominated for an Oscar. Wow. Uh, but anyway, what, that's the, how I'll the, keep my 
fun facts to myself until you're done. Uh, Field of Dreams, like this, like the the director of this movie is the director of Field of Dreams, and it's kind of like the tagline on the on the poster at the top. This is from the director of Field of Dreams. Not much else in the old uh, filmography for this person. There's uh, some of all fears. I mean, what, like one episode of Band of Brothers, and some of all fears is that like did Morgan they die? Freeman, um, uh, I don't know. Now they're seventy-two years old. Well, they have an upcoming project. Uh, either way, the Armageddon letters. <laughs> uh, either way, this movie has a runtime of uh, one hundred and twenty-six min- minutes. We all agreed it's too long. Uh, probably would have been a yeah. much more rewatchable movie if it was not so long. Uh, finally getting to the big numbers here. The budget, y'all want to guess? Oh, $25 million. Abby? Mm, 15. Michael, you were very close. $23 million. Mm. That's a lot. It's a lot of money. A lot of a money. Lot. Um, but when you think about how, remember how stoked they were for a hundred and like seventy five thousand dollars, split between like eight people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that time was very different. <laughs> very different. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> box office of a hundred and five point two million dollars. Wow. Yes. Holy so shit. Let's just let's do the math on this real quick. It's one hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And split between how many people? Oh, Six, uh, what, five? it's one, two, three, four, five. I guess minus the the female because she's not involved in that first part. Or was she? Is she involved in that part? No, too? no. So well, it's divided like, by five it's is like, 35,000. It's like so, six. Yeah, no, it's like, like six people. I think it's six people. So you got mother, less, whistler. Like 30. Yeah. It's like 30 grand a piece. Ish. Okay, so yeah. the things that they want to do with them are like they got <laughs> like Sydney Portier wants to go on this trip that's basically around the world. It's like Europe and Tahiti. Like that's gonna cost a lot of money because you just I blow it. Thirty blow grand. Yeah, I mean yeah. you could do the trip, but you—that's all the money that's gone. Yeah. Also, like I'm gonna look up how the... much a Winnebago was in 1992. Like a brand new custom one. I mean, thirty grand sounds about right. <laughs> well, he's saying like right a big now kitchen, it's thirteen thousand dollars. So, I mean, for a brand new Winnebago, for a nineteen ninety two Winnebago. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Back then, it was probably like twenty five grand or something. Uh, I don't know how customizable. Look up an ad. Is. Look up an ad for a Winnebago <laughs> from 1992. Okay, so right now a Winnebago is like $179,000 wow. on average. Holy wow. shit. Yeah. So yeah. let's do 179 in 1992. Uh, $359,000 is what it's equivalent to <laughs> right now. No, no, no. That's. Oh, that's what it costs. It costs how much in 1992? It costs 117,000 dollars. Uh, I mean, yeah, you did that oh no, I did, right? that I did that backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, like, I was like, what? 
<laughs> oh goodness. Okay. So type in what? How much is thirty-five thousand in nineteen ninety-two? No, no, I did that right. Yeah, the average Winnebago will cost you one hundred and seventy-nine thousand dollars. Now, but if you, <laughs> it doesn't right. get more expensive <laughs> when you go backwards. Right. There's no way. There's, there's no way a Winnebago costs one hundred and seventy-nine thousand dollars. Some of the models. It's gotta do. be like, really. So, like, if you, if you think about. It looks like uh so so yeah so uh, if if we took the average three grand if we took the average price of a winnow winnebago today i mean it's like triple almost so winnebago's like dan Aykroyd's putting a down payment on a winnebago in this movie not buying a winnebago well, I mean, it gets the government to buy him one. But anyway, let's, end, let's, yeah. let's move on from our... I'm sorry. Uh, so also, last number fact is that none of this money came internationally. It's 100% domestic. Wow, that's a good return. It's a really good yeah, return. Yeah, domestically? Yeah, that's a crazy... 51 million domestically? It's a little surprising. It's a little... In 1992? Yeah, that's that's surprising. It's a little surprising given that, like... I mean, you know, you have Dan Aykroyd who's like hot from the eighties for like blues brothers and SNL and Ghostbusters. But yeah, I I, barely in this movie. He's like barely Phoenix was hot. It's probably just like a good goulash of known names and yeah, a director with the, the one credit where people are like, Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. You only get one of these after like you do field of dreams. You only get one. Well, yeah, you that. can only get one, the director of Field of Dreams. It's yeah. not like you yeah. can put that on every one of your movies. No. no. Okay. What's that? Y'all, $30,000 in 1992 is worth $63,000 in some change. Really like $63,500 today. Yeah. That's still a not even more. quite the price of a no. full Winnebago. It's a hefty down payment, but yeah, but yeah. not not enough. <laughs> I doubt that they cost that much. Then they probably cost fifty grand. Then you know, probably. I don't know. All right, y'all ready for a, little, a few of these? Yeah, let's fun get those facts? fun facts real quick. This is a really hit or miss fun fact section. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you a, an idea of like how bad they are, and then I'll just tell you the ones that I handpicked. Okay. While picking through Dr. Brandis's Stephen Tobolowski's uh, trash, which is the character who uh, they steal a key card from, Dan Aykroyd holds up a folded box of Captain Crunch. Mm-hmm. In the 1970s, Cap- Captain Crunch came with a small whistle in the box, a phone breaker called Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch, discovered that this whistle could be used to get free phone calls, one of many components in the practice of phone breaking, which digital phone switching systems has made almost totally obsolete. I just feel like it's not 
the right okay. amount of words I or just, something. Is I, it? It, it's not worded well, but I will say that's one of the coolest parts about this era of hacking is that you literally put like a phone. Could use a whistle. You, well, right. you put a fucking handset on a device and like it, it uses the Records audio. It. Like it's so yeah, cool, yeah. dude. It is cool. I fucking yeah. love that shit. But this is just a poorly worded. Oh, it's thing. bad. It's not bad. It's not well. Uh, okay, so uh, the computer in the room uh, off of Cosmos, Sir Ben Kingsley's office, is in the Playtronics building. The one that looks like a circular bench is actually a Cray YMP, a multi-million-dollar supercomputer that was one of the world's fastest computers at the time this movie was made. Whoa. Whoa. So that's from like the, near the end when they're in that like really fancy place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. In so, the Playtronics. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Awesome. yeah. Okay. okay. So just imagine that the like the thing in your pocket, their phone is like right. probably 10, 10 times, 50 oh, times more powerful. 30, than 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just bonkers to me. So it's worth. But that's what you know, makes it so fun, though. Like those, know, those big glass CRT monitors and the big clunky. Yeah, yeah, keyboards. I like all the I aesthetic stuff for it. sure. Uh, one of the reasons that River Phoenix took the role that was uh, it, his last role was such a deep dive into the psychosis of the character for the movie My Own Private Idaho. I don't know if either of you had seen that uh, very, very early. Uh, no, it. Movie. Yeah. Uh, but he wanted a low stress money gig movie. So that was the, this was the movie for him. So mm. like, that's a good choice. You know, this seems like a yeah. pretty, pretty low key, just show up and be silly movie. Yeah. Mm. Definitely has that vibe. No one's really putting in that much work acting wise in this movie. Maybe, yeah. maybe Ben Kingsley, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, he's the heavy. So yeah. he's before he got that serb in, you know. Even Sidney Poitier is like, <laughs> eh, like they're all being silly. Yeah, they're you know? all just like they're just hanging out. David Strathairn is doing the most acting. Which one's being that? Blind. Are you kidding me? It's awful. I'm saying it's he's doing the most so acting. Bad. I'm not saying it's great. It's just saying oh. he's like. He's like, uh, it's like trying it's like, the hardest. It's probably offensive. Like I don't. I'm not sure. I have because, no idea. Like I, I, I. But like, if I was to guess, that's probably it's probably pretty offensive how he's acting because like if he's actually spending this much time in these environments, he's not going to be stumbling around like this, you know, with his hands out. Like it's a bit goofy for it, sure. But I'm just saying, yeah. And, and when he's sitting there in t- like talking to someone, he's doing the most. Uh, in pretending to be something he isn't. Yeah. You know? Sure. There was a scene that did not make sense to me with him in it. Like, <laughs> okay. It was like he was chopping like a zucchini or something. And then like someone walked in the room and he just stopped chopping the zucchini. He didn't use it to cook. <laughs> he didn't eat it or anything. I think it was just to show that he could. And I was That's like. That's what I'm talking about. Like the, the like that kind was of. confusing to me. It's like weird like ableism kind of stuff with, with, with that yeah. character. Yeah. Which uh, I was not expecting. I was like. And then like the crux of the movie is dependent on him like navigating a driving a, a drive like a car while he's bl- yeah. being blind and it's like yeah it's like what is this like it's it's the most disappointing part of the movie 
to me, honestly. And the part that is like mm-hmm. does not hold up is like how they treat that character. You know, and I was like not expecting that in from this movie. There's a movie, I don't remember what it's called, but I watched it recently. It's like a horror or really like a thriller movie about someone who's blind and they use this app um called like C for me or something and they basically like call a number through the app and it hooks it like lets them FaceTime with someone who like can see and they kind of like walk them through whatever situation they're in. But it was hmm. something like a bunch of bad guys like broke into her house and were like trying to find her and kill her. And this person who was on the See For Me app was like apparently like like we see her like playing like first person shooter video games a lot. So she's literally like like sh- telling her where to point a gun to like shoot oh these guys. And it, it's wow. like it's wow. kind of wild, but I thought it was like pretty creative actually. <laughs> But um, I'm gonna grab anyways. a drink. I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you done with the the fun facts? Well, let me finish those real quick. Okay. Okay. So to prevent the film from being thought of as a kids movie uh, by being rated G, the director intentionally added profanity to the script. Oh wow! It was like it was gonna be a G movie. Wow. I'm just like, hey, just say fuck here, and just, <laughs> just, say, just say fuck and say goddamn it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that funny that's yeah, really that's funny yeah uh the movie deals <laughs> yeah. the movie deals with the impact of a factoring breakthrough on encryption a reference to the rsa algorithm the most popular public key encryption algorithm in use today uh, Professor Lynn I mean, Alderman, one of the co-inventors of the RSA algorithm, provided some technical guidance on the movie in exchange for giving his wife a chance to meet Robert Redford. Wow. Oh. Uh, so. Um, Spicy. The NSA stuff is like, honestly, the most poignant like stuff that holds up about this movie. You know what I mean? Like. The government mm. stuff oh, is yeah, like the, is like the, the, yeah, the yeah. like that's that's why this movie is probably such a cult movie still to this day, is like how much of that is like kind of anti government and yeah and like it's a lot yeah, of it yeah. kind of true yeah. you know sure especially right now like in twenty twenty two like everything that's happened between now and when this movie was made like a lot of that is pretty pretty poignant you know and that's you know I think that's a big part of I why agree. people like this movie. Um, Dan Aykroyd wears a t-shirt bearing the name Alaka's Attic, a band formed by River Phoenix. Oh, word. Hell yeah. Uh, so, let's see. Robert Redford's jacket in the movie is the same one he wore in The Natural. So he's just stretching that that uh, wardrobe <laughs> dollar, you know? Yeah. He's probably one of the worst performances in this movie. He's I really think. hit or miss, honestly. He's like really phoning yeah. it in sometimes. Uh, River Phoenix and Sidney Poitier starred in another espionage movie, Little Nikita, in 1988. Hmm. And I think that's pretty much it. Well, thank you for such a fun time, Michael. They sound fast. Yeah, they were as fun as they were going to be. I'll be right back. All right.
Um, Abby, we actually have four viewers right now. So oh, I'll say what's up to hello, everybody. Um, it's a late night pod. You know, it's a little bit more relaxed. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first break or the first time Michael's ever gotten up during a podcast. I think you're right. I don't think it's ever happened before. I do it almost every yeah. time because I have an extremely small bladder. Yeah, I've done it like once or twice. Yeah. It's always it's always okay. Always yeah. okay to step away. No problem with that. Yeah. Um, we all need a break. So this movie, you know, Michael talked about it being on TBS all the time and stuff like that. But like it, it you have to you have to rent this movie. You cannot watch it streaming anywhere. I know. I was a little surprised it wasn't available anywhere. Yeah, like, not like this feels like it is like a Tubi movie or something like that. Or like a, right, yeah, right. no, that yeah. I I looked on there because I was like, surely it's on there. Like, yeah, they have yeah, old yeah. shit. Like yeah. <laughs> it's probably one of those things that's just you know just good enough that people keep cycling back and paying a little bit of money for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's trending as of lately or something. I don't know. Hmm. Who knows? Well. Had you all seen River Phoenix and anything else before? What it's, I mean, um, maybe I don't. I stand River, by me. Mm, no, um, I've seen, I've seen like that. I've seen the one clip from Stand by Me, but mm. where it's like uh, yeah, he was finding the body. Did you ever see the third Indiana Jones movie? Yeah. Yeah. He's he plays like young Indiana Jones in that oh, first okay. yeah. sequence. He's in all kinds of things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, this movie is like, why is this movie so horny too? Like, like this movie has no right to be this horny, and it has. I don't understand. I think so many horny moments where they're trying to be a bunch of bros, a bunch of dudes. It's so dumb hanging out. Like the anal, like the anal bit, like where they just like stare at each other after she says anal about someone being anal retentive. Right. Right. And it's like. And it's like I get they're talking about her, but it's like like behold, It's so stupid. Yeah. It's like just how idiotic and taboo sex is that it makes idiots out of these characters. I know. Yeah, or like whenever Robert Redford had his little earpiece in and he's sneaking into dude's office to get the black box, and then that lady comes in. Oh and like, no, that's what they're the- telling him. To- say to her yeah like, i was like well also right. before that when they're like looking in on the scientist hooking up with the other right doc, that's like, another bullshit. having that's having true. a completely yeah, yeah. like consensual moment between two like intellectuals mm-hmm. they're just like two doctors yeah. that are horny for each other and like and they like they like ruin these people's lives because they like say he's married and she's not even married <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It it sucks. Silly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get down to plot town. Get down. Get down, get down. Get down. We'll discover a little more about sneakers. All right. My plot notes are brief. So jump in. Um, Good. In 1969, um, students Martin Bryce and Cosmo are sneakers who hack into computer networks to finance socialist organizations um 
Martin leaves for a pizza and Cosmo gets arrested, basically, um, which forces Martin to become a fugitive. And, um, you know, some time has passed. We're now in present day San Francisco. And I really like how um, funny it is when you just say it like so plainly, like (laughs) he left for a pizza and that's why he didn't get arrested. (laughs) Yeah, basically, it was like um, uh, Cosmo like did a little magic trick and basically said like, "Okay, like you lose, you get a pizza," and he was like, "I always win," and then he lost, mm-hmm. so he had to get the pizza. And um, anyways, like uh, uh, Martin makes it. I think it's like later on in this, but like Martin makes a point that he thinks that Cosmo died in prison, basically, and there's mm-hmm. no more Cosmo. And so we kind of almost know that's going to come up again. Um, anyways, uh, in present day San Francisco, Martin, now called Martin Bishop instead of Martin Bryce, um, heads a like security specialist team undertaking what's called penetration testing i don't love that um <laughs> didn't it also feel just kind of like a startup you know what i mean like an like a like yeah. off, like it's not, it felt silicon just like valley a kind of silicon thing. valley kind of like startup yeah oh for sure for sure but basically he like um i guess like broke into a bank or hacked a bank just to kind of like test their um, security system and firewall. Yeah, um, I like this as the conceit of the opening I, yeah, of the film. Where I like, like it too. You think they're heisting, then it's a legitimate job. It's kind of a nice turn to just yeah. uh, reveal that they're yeah. on the right side of the law, basically. I, the setup, yeah. the setup in this movie is so strong. It's so strong. Like it, it's strong all the way up into that like kind of last hour. You know, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. The team includes um, Donald Crease, a former CIA officer and family man, Darren Mother Roscow, a conspiracy theorist and electronics technician, Carl Arbogast, a young hacking genius, and Erwin Whistler Emery, a blind phone freak. Freak with a PH. Um, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so I got PhD freak? What does that mean? I thought you were going to say freak like frequency. Freak is a slang term uh, coined to describe the activity of a culture of people who study experiment with or explore telecommunication systems oh. and equipment. Okay. Uh, so they definitely name equipment. themselves that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, those phone yeah. perverts. Yeah. The term freak is a <laughs> sensational spelling of the word freak with an F with a PH from phone. Ah, um, yeah. So oh the phone, phone perverts. Yeah. yeah, I was right. Phone, dorks. Phone perverts. Yeah. yeah. Major um, dorks. <laughs> So, uh, after performing their services for a bank, um, Martin is approached by NSA officers Dick Gordon and Buddy Wallace. Buddy. Um, Buddy. He is asked to 
they kind of like present first they like point out all the flaws with everyone on their team and almost kind of blackmail him actually totally blackmail him into um, doing a job for them and he is asked to recover a black box from a mathematician named Dr. Gunter Janek, um, developed under the CTEC Astronomy, um, or under the name CTEC Astronomy, supposedly for the Russian government. Um, he's hesitant. If he doesn't take the job, it means he goes to prison. If he takes the job, maybe it's like a, a way off the hook, and then they get $175,000 or whatever. Right. So his his team agrees um, to, uh, you know, to do this little, little project. Um, yeah. We, we we talked at length about how the, for the money and the one seventy five yeah yeah like they must have been yeah. not like they were like down bad kind of like their business was not doing amazingly. I guess so. Um, well, I mean, if you can make more or less a year's salary in in one job, that's pretty good. It almost right. seemed like they all lived together too in a warehouse. <laughs> Nobody except for Sydney Poitier, except for Sydney yeah, Poitier yeah. who has like a wife and a child. Yeah. Um so you know Martin is going to like a uh a, a conference, not a conference, sorry, like a I'm thinking of a C word, but like a concert. Maybe not. it's like it's like a are you talking about the what the main not character the concert. Okay. It's it's like not the it's concert, like a TED talk like almost. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. For for kind the of like Dr. Gunter or Gunter, whatever, Janek. Yeah. Um yeah, the yeah. mathematician guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to, you know, like a a, a talk. Like a TED Very talk. Steve shit, Steve right. Jobs uh Right. They had they put him in the in the turtleneck and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Martin invites his, like, ex named Liz. She's, like, a piano teacher, and she, like, doesn't want to get caught up in it. But then Martin is like, oh, if, if we don't get this done, I'm going to prison. And then she suddenly cares. So she comes along. And, you know, uh, they're just kind of observing and... And everything. And then Dr. Janek basically goes away from this party, this kind of reception after this, like, um, this talk. And uh, Liz knows that Martin's going to follow him. So she kind of dips. And Martin and his team are kind of spying on Dr. Janek through the window. And, you know, this is where we see, like, it's, like, his secretary or some lady, like, comes in and she's trying to seduce him. And they're looking at all this on a camera in a van outside, like, peeping in through his through his window. And um, they are recording this information so that hopefully they get the password to his computer hopefully they can see where the hell the black box is and mm -hmm. uh, 
basically uh it's whistler the you know blind phone freak he basically determines exactly where the black box is which is it's kind of disguised as an answering machine and um you know they organize a plan and a, a time for martin to basically like break into that office to get the black box um and as he's doing that you know the secretary lady comes in and he has to like come up with this like grand lie to like make her not suspicious and to like make her like not talk about any of this Mm -hmm. um so he basically tells her like oh like i was hired by janek's wife because he's married and um you know like like she's like a she's like a really powerful woman and and i don't know he he just kind of like threatens her with like um, you know, this discovery of their, uh, affair and everything, but it's like, Janek is not married and they're just kind of coming up with this on the fly. But anyways, right. He both kind of threatens um, her and then says like, but you should still continue to do what you do because Mrs. <laughs> Janek is like a butthole and controlling and they're in a loveless marriage. So you're in the clear, like, just keep doing what you're doing basically. Yeah. It's it's kind of silly and stupid and confusing, but that's what it was supposed to be. Um, so, it, yeah, basically, like, Martin gets the black box. It's disguised as a telephone answering machine. They have kind of like a celebration party. Like, you know, all, all the, the crew and Liz, it's... Um, you know, they're playing Scrabble, but Whistler and Mother and Carl are investigating the box... And find out that it's basically capable of breaking the encryption of nearly every computer system. Like, computer systems that are running the country, running the world, running, you know, plane travel, lights. Like, literally, like, 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 like power grids. Like, everything. It's the code that can break all codes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for, like, um, the U.S. codes for some reason or something like that. Remember they mentioned the thing about how it's like uh we can't break the Russian it, codes. Or it can't break the Russian codes, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was designed for the them other. Yeah. to break it's designed to break the US codes. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know, they're playing Scrabble and Martin is thinking about, you know, the words SeaTech astronomy and he like you know, ruins the game and dumps all the Scrabble letters onto the table and he's trying to come up with an anagram of C-Tech astronomy, which ends up being too many secrets is, like, what, the, what he comes up with. Mm-hmm. And, um... That part's just stupid. Yeah. 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 I, th- I thought it was unnecessary, but, um... Basically, like, he and Donald... He, Donald is Sidney Poitier... CIA, former CIA. Um, that they, they basically like um, like issue a lockdown um, because they no longer feel that they are safe. Because you know he makes a point. He says like every government in the world wants their hands on this. Mm-hmm. Like if they knew we had it, like we're all dead. 
And so um, they make everybody stay together, including Liz. And, um, you know, they're just like, okay, let's just like hold off until this shit's delivered and done. Signed, sealed, delivered. Um, So Martin and Donald go to deliver the box to um, Dick Gordon and Buddy Wallace. And, you know, as... Uh, as Martin is kind of approaching them, um, Donald Kreese is like, hey, you have a phone call. It's your mother. And then we know it's like, you know, his buddy mother. Um, and he basically gets in the car and they leave immediately because they realize these guys that hired them are working for somebody else. They are not NSA officers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they also like, as they're escaping, they're like, you know, uh, Gordon and Wallace are like attempting to kill them. Um, Crease, Donald Crease, he's like, uh, part of the reason, or really the reason he called Martin back to the car is because he found out that Janek was killed the night before. Like, basically, like, um, when the box was stolen, I, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just and, tips them uh, off that these people are more nefarious than they put on. Exactly. And so, uh, he has a friend, his name's Gregor, who's in the Russian consulate, and we see Gregor, like, at the kind of, like, reception for the talk that Janek had earlier that Martin and Liz attended. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically, like, um, Martin confronts Gregor, and this is during the concert. There's, like, you know, like, a string quartet or whatever um playing and uh martin comes in with a gun to uh gregor's back and you know kind of pulls him aside and he's like trying to uh confirm that these officers were rogue agents and that janek was working for the nsa and um gregor like takes this conversation to his, like, private car, and, you know, they're trying to flip through this photo book to see, like, who the fuck they're actually dealing with, and they are able to identify Buddy Wallace. Yeah, he's got, like, a um, Rolodex and, of, like, like, players informants in the or whatever. game. Yeah. 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 And, um... You know, before he can really elaborate further, um, fake FBI agents, like, pull them over, kidnap Martin, kill Gregor and the driver, and then throw him in the trunk and take him to, like, a remote location um, where he is essentially reunited with Cosmo, who Martin thought died in prison. Um, This movie is also, like cinematically very san francisco you know oh for sure yeah yeah which is it's like i think that's another reason why people like this movie you know it's like Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of like anytime there's a movie that centers around a city like that like 
I feel like it kind of it, it lends to the cult following. It's like San Francisco's yeah. character in the movie. It, it, I mean, that scene, <laughs> that that shot where Robert Redford gets that. like tossed out of the car at the top of the hill. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. yeah, or like when they're trying to backtrack and figure out like where he went, and they're talking about all the bridges and yeah, yeah, you know, yep. the Bay Area bridges, the Bay, yeah. but yeah, you know. Um, and you see Alcatraz but, uh, in the back background of that shot that I was talking about too, with like the yeah when he gets tossed out. Also, um, whenever they're trying to find the anagram for Sea Tech Astronomy, they say Monterey Coast. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyways, anyways, um, Cosmos seems like very well um, for, uh, you know, for having thought Mar- Martin having thought he died in prison. He seems right alive and well and in control of a lot of shit, apparently. Like he's right. he's organizing some big shit. And um he basically like got released from prison early because he um he while in prison, Cosmo developed ties with organized crime and uh you know, these people recognize his talents later and installed them as their installed him as their money launderer and paymaster, essentially. And um, Cosmo plans to use Janek's box to destabilize the world economy and basically offers Martin a chance to join him because this is what they talked about back in 1969 type of shit. But Martin is like, He's like, whoa, what? Like, that was a prank. You know, we were kids. Like, what are you talking about? Smoking a lot of pot back then. Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he refuses. And I mean, what they were doing was pretty dope, though. Like, they were just like. It was, but it was like very, uh, you know, pie in the sky, like, uh, you know, romanticized Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. It was dope. Um, so Martin refuses, so Cosmo decides to um, use his power against him now having this black box in his possession. He uses the box to break into the FBI's mainframe and basically connect Martin's current identity with his former name. Which, to be fair, they're not that different. Like, Yeah, he chose really a close. weird fucking yeah. alias. I'm like, so keep I'm, like the I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> right. how do you, how do you, you did a real poor job hiding your identity <laughs> it's also so close that it's just like yeah, i don't even know which really one's real and which one's fake <laughs> like i couldn't even pay attention yeah to it's too yeah. confusing it's like come on um but apparently uh yeah that happens and then cosmo has martin knocked out for like the third or fourth time he just like keeps having his like goons, fucking Wallace and Gordon, like knock him unconscious. So many times. Yeah, and then they take him back to the city. And now Martin is like a fugitive from the law again. And he goes to Liz's apartment first and kind of relocates his team there. Mm-hmm. And um they contact uh they contact NSA agent Abbott, who basically wants the box but cannot offer safety until it's in Martin's possession. 
Can I just so, say about Liz's apartment that it's like massive and like very yeah. cool for a fucking piano teacher's salary? Yeah. yeah a no, lot I've, of. I've thought about yeah. that. <laughs> just saying. It's like a dope pad that they could set up. Basically, it's like a second warehouse they can set their shit up in. Like, it, anyway. yeah. also, just like the company they run, like, like a year, like the fact that they're so enamored with $175,000 like their company obviously probably isn't doing that well <laughs> like 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 yeah. not enough not well enough to afford that space probably like yeah yeah I, I guess this goes to say they all made plans for what they're gonna do with their money like we talked about yeah, Donald right. is gonna like take his family or his wife to like all, all over Europe and Tahiti which is not Europe but um and then uh, mother wants to buy a Winnebago. Um, big Carl, kitchen. Big kitchen. Yeah, with a big kitchen. <laughs> Carl just wants to, like, go on a date with a woman. <laughs> right. And, like, uh, just once, finally. Yeah. What does Whistler ask for? Uh, world peace. World peace, yeah. World peace. <laughs> so yeah. dopey. Um, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll return to that later yeah, yeah. on. But anyways, um... Basically, like, they're trying to find out where the hell uh, Cosmo's little setup was. So Whistler kind of analyzes or or directs. He first directs Martin to think about what he heard when they when he was in the trunk, whenever he was conscious. And, you know, it it went from like. Uh, wild tone to like bumps in the road to thinking about one of the four bridges you know that they could have gone over and they narrowed it down um to where it was and the funniest part about this was like they they turned like off of a train track or something and, and martin was like it sounded like a cocktail party and then it literally yeah. was like a bunch <laughs> of like Geese or like you know ducks. Yeah, there's a bunch like, of birds, water birds. Fucking... Like, I'm that sorry, I don't know what they sound like, but that, yeah, was, that was good. I, I thought that, that was, was funny. funny. Yeah, I thought that was silly. So yeah, they found all the birds and everything. But anyways, they basically pinpointed the geographic area where Martin was taken, which is a toy company acting as a front for Cosmos operation, and so they kind of stake out building and they're researching the security systems and um kind of like identify the office that is set up right next door to cosmo's office um who uh this guy named werner brandis um or brands i I don't know it's spelled b-r-a-n-d-e-s um he He's an employee of Cosmos and his office is adjacent. And basically, they mother gets a bunch of trash from his house and they're just kind of going through it. And they realize he's on like an online dating site. Um, that, or old, it's, it's, that old it's Tinder, actually, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Early it's really tender. like, yeah. They don't even call it an online date. They call it a computer date. Yeah, right. Um, That's how early. Like this is like pre any service you've ever heard of. This yeah. is pre like internet in the home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
so they basically like set up Liz or set Liz up on a fake computer date with um, Werner to kind of uh, obtain his key card and vocal recognition codes. So like basically there's like a certain phrase he has to say to get into his office um or like a certain part of the of this building or whatever he has to say like something like hi i'm werner brandis my voice is my passport or something like that right and mm-hmm. then uh honestly so to me you can get like, rid of this whole part of this movie it's it's so yeah. like oh my god why anyway, why yeah, are we still I, doing this <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah on this date she has like this phrase written down and she's just trying to come up with conversation to get him to say all of these words and like the dumbest part about this is like she couldn't get him to say the word passport so she just was like you know you have a lovely voice your voice is just incredible like one word i love to hear is the word passport (laughs) that's so stupid dude oh my god um Anyways, um, yeah, basically she's getting info that's valuable to Martin and his team to basically um, get into the building so they can get they can recover this black box. And um, uh, there's like one part, I guess it's like of their second date, I guess, maybe. Um Liz goes to the bathroom and Werner has this like robot dog that he made that kind of knocks over her purse and he sees her like ID in it and realizes she's not who she says she is. Cause I'm pretty sure she said her name was like Doris or something. <laughs> so he's like, wait a minute. Like, and begins to suspect that she is like working with people to try to break into his office. So he, Tells her they're going to go on a drive and, you know, they go on a drive to, um, what's this place called? Like Playtronics, Playtronics. or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. while um, Robert Redford's like breaking in to steal the, the black box. Yeah. Um, yeah he's doing a yeah, thing we talked about earlier where it's like yeah. the slow movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Mission guess I, I should elaborate motion. on that. Yeah. It's like a couple things is like, they are like traveling through <clears throat> crawl spaces in the ceiling to, uh, get, um, you know, to get, to get into Cosmo's office or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, he has, he has all these like sensors that will you know sound off if it detects like a warm body or something so basically like they adjusted the temperature of his office to 98.6 degrees and then also like he had to move very slowly to not trigger it so he's moving it two inches per second <laughs> and um you know, when Werner and Liz are, are in the building and talking with security and he's suspicious that she's trying to, you know, break into his office, Cosmo comes down and Cosmo's like, let's go see this office. And they go up there and this is when, like, you know, the 
Martin's team is like, all right, like you need to hurry. And he's like, I, that's the one thing I can't do is hurry. He's like moving very slowly. He gets the black box. He gets back in the ceiling kind of just in time um, because they check Werner's office and then they check um, Cosmo's office, I guess. And he's like, wait, why is it so warm in here? And then like he sees that the um, answering machine is gone and he kind of like puts the building on lockdown. Um I guess, actually, sorry, let me back up. Let me back up. They check Werner's office. Everything's fine. They're, they're, you know, leaving and offered to buy Liz a taxi back home. And she makes a comment about the, she's like, oh, I'll never go on a computer date again. And Cosmo's <laughs> like, wait a second. I know you're fucking up to something. And that's when he goes in his office, realizes it's fucking hot in there. And he, and he sees the, the answering machine is gone. It has right. the black box in it. Buildings yeah, Cosmo's on lockdown. Like, Shit, you're on a computer date? No way. No way. No way. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Right with this guy? Like, no. No. Um, no. Also, who that dude is like a character actor too. He's in like a ton yeah. Of stuff. He's in all kinds of yeah. shit. He's in so much shit. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think he was in Thelma and Louise. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, Martin is kind of apprehended by Cosmo once again. Um, after, you know, after kind of hiding in the ceiling, Cosmo gets on the intercom and he's basically like, I have your lady, you know, she's going to die um, and I'm not going to kill you if you come out. And so Martin comes out and he's... You know, Cosmo's trying to convince him to join him again. Martin refuses and instead turns over the box, which is not actually the box. He apparently mm-hmm. had another answering machine that was box. empty. Uh, up on the yeah. roof. Up on the roof. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, also, like, Carl jumps through the ceiling and or falls through the ceiling and, like, you know, kind of tackles <laughs> these guys that are trying yeah, to kill yeah. Martin. It's a classic, yeah. like, the the big bad is like, I'm going to leave you to be dealt with by my goons, and then the goons get dealt with right away. He, he literally, like, he goes, yeah. he goes, I can't kill my friend. Kill my friend. That's literally, right. <laughs> that's literally the line. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. not, not, we we are not no, exaggerating. Exactly that is exactly what happened. I can't kill my friend. Kill my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so... and then he and then like f- less than five minutes later, they just like bring it up again and is like, mm-hmm. where? Yeah. Which is where you're at, Abby. Where he he hands the box over. Yeah, and then um, you know they make it to the roof. They're they're they see like the van that has all of Martin's buddies in it, you know, like Whistler and um Yeah, at this point Dom Robert Redford's still like thinking mother. he's gonna get away. Yeah, and they're like flashing their lights so they see where they're at and they're like, Okay, we'll drive up to you, we'll pick you up and then this moment happens where these agents that work for probably Cosmo, they like fucking show up hold um mother and donald at like 
gunpoint and they don't realize that Whistler's in the back and Whistler gets on the intercom sneakily and tells Martin what's up and Martin's like, all right, you got to drive. Like, I can see you. I'm on, I'm on the roof, so I'll tell you where to go. And basically he puts it in reverse and drives through a gate, which, you know, distracts the agents. So, um... You know, Mother and uh, Donald kind of attack him. We and, we uh, also find out um, why Sidney Poitier's character left the CIA in this moment. He goes, yeah, because of my temper. And then he like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he beats the shit out of these yeah. guys. And then, mm. um, you know, uh, then... Martin directs Whistler to basically drive through the parking lot, but he, it's funny because they're like kind of both facing each other from a distance across a parking lot. So, like, Martin's left is not Whistler's left, it's like yeah. his right. So, he's like giving him directions and he's not going where he wants yeah. him to. So, he ends up driving all over all of these like grassy median like areas in the parking lot. And it's just like, you know, a very bumpy, weird, scary ride yeah. for Whistler. And he's like, all right, now you're going to go down this very slight hill. And he's like fucking flying off of it, making <laughs> air. And like, he's like, all right, like in five seconds, you're going to stop. And he literally just yeah. like hits the fucking building. He's like, all right, I think I'll stop here. <laughs> um. So then... Yeah, Carl and Liz make it to the van, and Martin's, like, on his way down the ladder, but then Cosmo's on the roof, you know, tries to... He, like, holds a gun towards him, and he tries to get him to join again, and Martin's like, no. And he gives him the box. This is when he gives him the box, but it's, like, the empty answering machine. Um, right. Um, And then Martin's going down the ladder, and... Cosmo like you know shoots next to him and Cos or Martin's like you're not gonna shoot me basically and goes down the ladder anyways and once he's at the bottom of the ladder Cosmo realizes the black box is not in there so um yeah they go back to headquarters basically like Martin's team's headquarters that we mm -hmm. see in the beginning of the movie and where they have a little um, celebration party earlier. But anyways, they go back there and then they're surrounded by um, the NSA agent Abbott. The for real and NSA. Yeah. The for real NSA. Mm -hmm. And with a then, big, with another big actor playing the, James Earl, yeah. James Earl Jones, yeah. Yeah. who was uh, also in Field of Dreams. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Martin points out how important the secrecy of the boxes to the NSA, who could basically use it to spy on other agencies. And then... Um, with a little persuasion, Abbott agrees to basically clear Martin's record and also grant the requests of his team, which are like, you know, all that Donald silly shit. All the vacation. silly shit from the beginning right. of the movie. Winnebago yeah. and yeah. Carl gets one of the There's, agents' phone numbers. Which is like, like you know, it's the, like, oh God, all the, yeah, all so the stuff with awful. like, like the, 
the way they handle just female characters in general in this film yeah. is just disappointing. But yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, she Did just you all was ever so see... willing. Yeah, she was number. like, "Oh, you wanted you could have had anything. You want my number?" It's like, <laughs> uh, well, it's honestly the... like maybe the most believable, like weird sexist thing in it but i don't know but that is like it was it's like a gesture you know what i mean like it's the only thing that's like an actual gesture but uh did you ever see armageddon you watched that movie yeah Uh, yeah i've seen it on tv so there there's a part in that movie where you know they get this oil rig crew to go up to the Mm -hmm. asteroid and they're like all right we got some requests (laughs) <laughs> and they have like a list yeah. laundry list of silly shit like that too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't want to ever have to pay taxes D- they again. bring they bring a winnebago <laughs> yeah. they win a, they bring a winnebago no it's just dumb <laughs> shit it's like uh i got yeah. you know all these parking tickets yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Know, i'm joking i'm joking so yeah um abbott refill or uh sorry fulfills those requests and then him and his agents leave with the box, and I think it's like, I don't know, someone on the team, I don't remember if it's Whistler or Mother, they're like, like you know what they can do with that box? And then Martin's like, basically he rendered the box useless because he removed the like main processor from it. And then in like a postscript, a news reports, um... A news report describes the sudden bankruptcy of the Republican National Committee and the simultaneous receipt of a lar- of large anonymous donations yeah. to um, Amnesty International, Greenpeace, and the United Negro College Fund. Um, and, and that's like how the the movie starts too, with like this like yeah like four by three right. aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, and like and I love the, I love that part of it. Like they get the Robin Hooded at the end. I, I do truly love those elements. Like I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like it's a I good like message. That. I like that. Yeah. Stuff. I think it's a good way to um, differentiate. You know, different times in the movie too it's yeah like makes it obvious to the viewer yeah it, it, um yeah that's it, sneakers that's sneakers that's fucking sneakers y'all all right let's, let's get, get into the reviews yeah, i'm gonna go first i'm gonna scathe i'm scathing scathing review <laughs> here we go i'm gonna scathe on this one please nah, not really please scathe. Eh, like there's some really unnecessary shit in this movie i just feel like it could have been an hour and a half they could have done yep. condensed it the heist could have been written way better. This is all this like arch, like Ben Kingsley stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's like, you didn't really need that. You could have just had it be this organization. It didn't have to be this like personal vendetta thing. It doesn't really make the movie that more, that much more interesting. Um, he doesn't really even, he's not that mad at the guy. Even he won't kill him or anything. It's just pointless. Just like get to it. Have there be some, you know, uh, espionage that has nothing to do with the, the you know, they could st- still have threatened his freedom. I, I don't know. There's a lot you could cut out of this film and make it a little more streamlined, a little more entertaining and less problematic. Um, that being said, yeah. you know, the character work is pretty fun. Uh, I like the team aspect of it. 
they, they do that well. I love the the scene where they're all dancing with Liz and and you see their different personalities come out on the dance floor. That's kind of a fun little the cinematography. Yeah. The cinematography in that is pretty good too. Like I, yeah, I, it, it is like there are some bits of like interesting cinematography like that moment in this in this movie. I do like that it's it's a little weird for a popcorn movie. You know, it's got its eccentricities, but ultimately, like could have used their script revision for sure. Um, I feel like the directing was fine. The acting was fine. Everybody showed up for it. But at the end of the day, it just kind of like didn't really click all the way for me. Um, I would have liked to have seen more Donald Logue, honestly. Yeah. But that's because I like that guy. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, just a little more here or there or a little less here or there. It just needed to, kind of uh get tailored a, a little further um yeah. but yeah, yeah good cinematography you know some some really charming and funny moments but otherwise didn't really quite uh settle into itself i'm gonna give it a six nice who wants to go next uh abby? Hey. yeah what's up abby i yeah, I can go. Um, I I mean, I feel very similarly. I don't know what I can say else that I haven't said or that y'all haven't said or that Michael didn't just say already. Um, but, you know, in a nutshell, it was a little too long, a little underwhelming, um, kind of bro-y. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the comedy stood out more than the action parts in this movie, which, you know, this is like a, a heist movie. That's like kind of the most important part. Um, but, you know, I still think it like was quirky in a good way and, you know, um, Ultimately, I I do have like a mostly positive like perspective of the movie now. Um, definitely shows its time. Um, it looks like a fucking nineties movie. Um, yeah. I uh, I feel like um, I'm trying to think of anything. Else to say about this you know like um yeah i don't know i feel like i want to give it like a a six and a half out of ten yeah um i i'd never heard of this movie um i don't know how because i don't know i feel like i flip through tv and see a lot of movies on there and you know i um I don't know that I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't even know that I've ever heard anyone like recommend this movie or like refer this movie or anything like that. But um, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I generally liked it, but um, so six and a half, uh, six VHS tapes, one cassette tape for you, Abby. Yes, and to be one, fair, one I micro like, cassette tape with micro the word uh, "passport" recorded <laughs> yeah. onto it. Yeah, 
And I I did decide that before we started talking about our reviews. I okay, try to cool. do that every time. I like that. And not yeah, let like someone else's review sway me. Um, yeah. I yeah. I I like how we all come in differently because like you know, sometimes I do come come in with with a review score in mind and then once we talk about it, it changes a little bit. You know, it's like different every yeah. time, I feel like for me. Um but this time I actually didn't come in with a review score and uh, I'll go into my review right now. Um, I think I'm going to give it a six. Um, I, I, I feel like uh, this movie is way sh- more shallow than it needs to be. It had so much potential. Like it has like so many amazing elements and then it just like, kind of falls flat like it sets itself up so well and then just doesn't really stick the landing it really does not um yeah as much as i love the nostalgic elements of it and like just living in the 90s for you know an hour and or you know two hours or almost two hours you know right it's like almost two hours it's like Uh, two hours and five minutes two hours and five minutes yeah um but yeah, it, it just it doesn't have enough substance. It should have more substance. Um, the the things they choose to focus on, I feel, are are misguided um, based on what they start the movie with. It, it feels really strange. Um, it's like either go all in on the dynamic between um, the two characters that you first show, or don't start with those two characters just start with them being a team like as adults with the actors like you said michael like if you just cut off the beginning and then like all the stuff with like cosmo cosmo it's just like it would be a much tighter film and i think would be just as effective even though i like ben kingsley like I I, I sure. like I like yeah. Ben Kingsley. What I would do put him, put him in another role, make him one of the creepy espionage guys. Like you don't have to make him uh, Robert Redford's bosom buddy from yeah. college. I I what yeah. I would do is like not put a problematic blind character in the movie and just have Ben Kingsley be like another hacker. You know, like well, or in because, Ernest put put a female character on the team. Or yeah, or make yeah, or yeah. make the the one female character actually because like there's hints at her being on the team like earlier. You know what I mean? Like they I like what she said about the team. She was like, Oh, you mean your boys club? Your boys club, you exactly. Your, your handshakes and your like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I liked that little like line she Comment had. On it. Yeah, that's yeah. very yeah. much what it was. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's it, like it you nailed it. This movie does not pass the Bechdel test. I don't even have to look it up. I'm no, almost positive no it does not pass the Bechdel test. No. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it a six. And that is an average score of 6.16 repeating. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. A little low for us for, for the recent times, but that's good. I mean, you know, we no. have a lot of tens recently. And, that's, uh, you yeah, know what? This was a daily... almost... No, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it was almost the numbers of the devil. Yeah, almost six <laughs> of six. I wish. I wish. Uh, someday. Someday. Uh, 
Yeah, this right, is yeah, this was, was a sneakers. daily pick. I picked it because I knew it would be a wild card, and I I knew none no, those of, are good picks. I I knew yeah. I knew that none of us would would like had really even had any opinion on this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, um, that's why I picked it. <laughs> and also, I like, like <laughs> the like initial interest from this podcast you've been listening to. It's like, oh, cool. It's yeah, like, hmm, I, I do kind of want to check it out now, so that it wasn't just like totally random. But um, you know, it was it was yeah, it was, it was a good pick. Something to something to critique, actually. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got to work yeah. in that. We got to really, you know, we. It's nice to work that part of the brain and like have articulate yeah. thoughts on why something doesn't work as well as it working, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we all did a good job of seeing this movie for what it was and, and enjoying it for what it was as well. Uh, I agree. Cause that's the whole point. You know, you know, you, I never set out to watch a movie to hate it. That's not true. I sometimes do that. Sometimes. But, uh, that's, sometimes. For, that's, that's a very particular setting. I know what I'm doing. It's like, if I'm, meant yeah. to see a movie in earnest then i'll give it its due you know and you want to try to have a good time sometimes it's ironic yeah. sometimes it's ironic yeah. when you want to watch a movie you know you're gonna fucking hate <laughs> like, right, right yeah yeah mm-hmm. i wouldn't do that for this podcast but i would do that for entertainment exactly mm. and, and that's like i think sneakers is a movie that i would watch ironically but like doing it like you said for the podcast like we analyze it in a different way yeah yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, that's good. That's sneakers. If you haven't seen it, uh, go. Yeah, don't pay the money for it. Don't put, don't <laughs> buy this movie. <laughs> yeah, if don't if buy you have a chance movie. to see it, Why you find it. Free somewhere? <laughs> just, just honestly, you know, go to archive.org, you know, our quote, if, it, archive. If you go to your, you know, relative's house and, you know, Nana or Uncle Jim has a copy of it on VHS, <laughs> maybe like snag it and watch it or something, but. Yeah, yeah. I I, do, I will say I do love the poster design. It's just like literally, yeah, yeah. like they're just peeking yeah. up underneath it. Like I think that's really, really great. It's really smart design. Yeah, but clever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we're going late tonight, so we can keep the "What's Up" segment real short. That I sound think, right? I think that's it. I think "What's Up" is that it's late. I think what's up is that it's we, late. I think and, we call uh, it. How do y'all feel? We did it. Yeah, I feel like that too. Yeah, I'm down. Okay, we did. There's have nothing an ex- new to talk about except except that y'all need to go to Fester. I yes. won't be able to go, so go there. Go go for me. Go for Abby. Abby will be sorely missed. Uh, you've been to many a Fester. Daily, you've been to many a Fester. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm excited. That's coming up Friday and Saturday. It's just a few. Is it? It's a, it's a day away Thursday. Yeah, it's a and day then we're away. here. Yeah, uh, big big lineup. We got sixteen acts. We have two comedians. Uh, it goes from five to midnight ish, uh, both days. Daily is going to be doing a after party DJ set with Mike Govins. Um, we're very you, excited to, you, to you hear know that. Friday night Friday night Fester gets wild. So I'm excited yeah, yeah. to <laughs> to be scoring the the night yeah it's gonna be a good time i uh i'm so stoked for both days i uh this is always a very very fun and very exhausting weekend for me um and yeah i'm gonna be hopefully a person again on monday (laughs) we'll see uh 
but yeah, come out to Fester. It's free. Um, if you need a place to crash, we have a big yard. Bring a tent. Or if you live in Nashville, just do your Uber thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, come on out. Yeah. Um, Literally pretty much is open from Friday when it starts until Sunday morning, right? Yeah, more or less. More or less, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, come out to that. And, you know, if you can go and check it out uh, on Instagram at Mouthful. Or it's at the mouthful. I don't even know my own fucking it's Instagram. The, the, the mouth. Yeah, the mouthful. At, at the mouthful. The mouthful. Two H's. Is there uh, really two H's in it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Can't mouth say mouthful. That's a mouthful. Oh mouth. yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I thought you meant there was like three H's. You know. Well, there is total if you count the. No. Okay. Well, you know what? Just calm down. <laughs> so yeah uh, and while you're at while you're on instagram joe go go joe joe, go joe. check us out on uh go check out go team video at go team video ampm uh at ampm.video uh you can also check us out at twitch.tv slash ampm video and you can search us in the uh youtube search bar ampm video or go team video uh, check out the podcast on all the streamers. All I tested the... I tested the YouTube thing recently. Go team video does not bring up anything. So search AMPM video. AMPM or, video. You know what? Keep searching Go Team Video. Maybe it eventually will come up. Yeah. Uh, Give us that ISO. But ISO. SEO. SEO. That's the camera shit. Uh, also speaking of twitch thank you all for hanging out with us we have five viewers right now at the end of our podcast yeah i don't think we've ever had five viewers at the end of our podcast so thank you so much uh yeah thank you thanks for hanging out with us for almost four hours we're at three hours and 45 minutes is how long we've been live wow thank you so much Mm mm-hmm well, not no, well, not can, since you've uh, been here, Abby. Since we like, were doing the video yeah. game thing yeah. beforehand. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm at like a minute or an hour forty eight. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like most of that is the podcast, but we did we did some video Hot game damn. streaming before. Yeah, and I've been streaming your asses off. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, yeah, we were streaming a lot. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, and uh, you know, while you're on the Instagram as well. Lots of things you can do on there. I go check out uh, Mike Gubbins, who makes the intro outro music for our show at Gubbs Music, and Jorge Sierra, who makes some fine photography for the podcast. Uh, and that's at Shop from the Pit. And uh, those are both some great artists that you'll enjoy checking out. And tune in next week. Uh, well, I think we're going to be on a little hiatus. When do you get back, Abby? I get back Tuesday at like midnight, um, and then I work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I'm good for the weekend. It yeah, okay. we'll, it'll probably be we'll out. a Saturday stream. I'm guessing Saturday morning. We'll see. Yeah, like we'll that. see how it goes. Just keep keeping a keep a lookout. We'll post about when we're going to do it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. This has been episode thirty nine sneakers y'all have a good night bye y'all everybody bye
Announcement test, uh, I don't know what it's supposed to say. I'm not really that concerned with it, so. If anyone gets this, just disregard it. Okay, hang on.